All right, so most people love birthdays, especially when we're younger. Special caveat there is especially when we're younger, because when we start getting older, things start falling apart. A prime example of that is something that happened just today when I was talking to a member of, on staff here. Um, we were talking about age, and I was trying to remember, am I 36 or 37 years old? And I could not remember for the life of me. So I had to actually go back and trace back to my birth year, 1983, to kind of figure out how old I was, which turns out to be 37. So birthdays, especially when you're younger, can often be associated with all types of joy, things like Cake, presents, family, love, being surrounded by happiness and other joyous elements. The interesting thing about a birthday that I find to be quite comical is that celebration is literally celebrating you for merely existing. That's it. We haven't done anything special to earn a birthday. We, have, we were simply born as a result of somebody else's hard work and pain. In the celebration of a birthday, we're literally celebrating someone else's work, yet we get all the credit for this. People spend money on you, even though they dealt with your horrible mood swings, even though they wiped you, they carried you, they burped you, and all sorts of things simply because they love you. However, this is your special day because you earned it, right? <laughs> As a matter of fact, let me show you what happens when someone tries to steal your shine on your birthday. Now, either that is completely and totally hilarious or either I'm just a big child and those two ideas are not mutually exclusive. Either way, doesn't my explanation of a birthday celebration sound oddly familiar? Isn't it interesting how we, both you and I, get to enjoy the benefits of another person's labor for our birthday? Well, that is amazingly true in the Christian faith. I really want to set the stage for the rest of today's message right here. Our Christian birthday has nothing to do with the work that you and I did. It's everything to do with the work that the Lord Jesus did. With this work, we get to enjoy the benefits of being born again. As a matter of fact, this is what we actually deserve because of all the work that we put in. <laughs> now, for all those who don't know me, I am Fred Gallup. I'm a pastoral resident here, a.k.a. the president here at Element, and I am delighted and considered an honor to spend Sunday celebrating the Lord with you. We want to send a special shout out to you if this is your first time joining us, especially if you don't believe the same things that we do. While you don't believe the same things we do, we're just so honored that you would take this time and spend with us, and hopefully the Lord will win you over through the presentation of the gospel message today. So, our lead pastor, Jeff, he has graciously allowed me to preach a two-part message. So I'm sorry that y'all have to not only deal with me this Sunday, but also next Sunday as well. But if you can't tell by now, the theme of this two-part message is going to be that of a birthday celebration. 
with next week being considered what's uh, considered to be one of the Jewish festivals, the, fe- the, fe- the festival of Pentecost or Shavuot in Hebrew. This celebration of Pentecost is literally the birth of the people of God, a nation and a church. So church, happy early, happy early birthday and it's time to celebrate. So Throughout today's message, we're going to be using the New New Living Translation of the Bible. So either fire up that Bible app or grab your hard copy Bible. Let's prepare to dig into the Word of God. So our main scripture we're going to be looking at is going to be Acts, the second chapter. So Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. So Acts chapter 2, verse 1 through 4, it states, On the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. That's important. Suddenly there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm, and it filled the house where they were sitting. Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each one of them. And and everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other tongues or other languages as as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. So now, one of the things that we have to really understand here is that context determines meaning. Y'all going to hear me say that a whole lot every time I preach. So this miraculous Pentecost account is amongst the most well-known events to happen in the New Testament. Ladies and gentlemen, this is when the church became a thing. The church, the Greek word for that is ekklesia, which means those called out. And in this case, we are those who have been called out of the world and we were brought to God. This is when the church was born. So it was at this moment that we became a thing, the people that God has chosen to show the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ through, the people who have been purchased by the precious blood of the Lamb, the global people who would go out and win souls and represent the Lord Jesus Christ. Again, happy early birthday to you, church. But I know I threw out some terms there that we may not be very familiar with. So what I want to do is for us to have a more robust understanding of what happened during this miraculous event. In order to do so, we have to take a trip back into the books of the Old Testament of the Bible to see what Pentecost or Shavuot really is. So with that being said, let's go and take a journey into the Torah to discover Pentecost origins and why this is such a big deal. So now let's look at Luke chapter 23, verses 15 through 16. So just a quick uh, explanation. So Luke 23 houses what's called the festivals of the Lord. We're going to talk about that here in just a moment. So verses 15 through 16, it states, From the day after the Sabbath, the day that you bring the, the bundle of grain to be lifted up as a special offering, count off seven full weeks. Keep counting until the day, after the, uh, the day after the seventh Sabbath, 50 days later. That's important. That 50 days later is important. Then present a grain offering, uh, present a, an offering of new grain to Yahweh or to the Lord. So now, it's kind of quick explanation. So Leviticus chapter 23, as I alluded to, it houses what we as Christians or we as people typically call the Jewish festivals. 
But if you look at Leviticus chapter 23 and 2 on your own time, you'll see that those aren't the Jewish festivals. They are the festivals of the Lord. They are the festivals of Yahweh. So then now in this case, you have what's called the spring and then you have the fall festivals. So now the spring festivals, I really want y'all to get an understanding of this. So the spring festivals, the very first one that we see is actually happens outside. It's a weekly thing. It's called the Sabbath. And that happens from Friday, our Friday at sundown to Saturday at sundown. It's a very special day of the week, every single week for uh, Jewish believers. But in the springtime, you have what's called Passover. So that was the first thing. And then as it pertains to us, we have to understand that this is the death of the lamb who died for our sake to deliver us from evil. Then directly after that, you have what's called the festival of unleavened bread. Then right after that, in this whole week long process, you have what's called the festival of first fruits. And then you count 50 days later and then you have the festival of Pentecost, where we are now. So with these spring festivals, they, Jesus said in, in Luke chapter 24, verses 44 through 47, that everything that was written in the law and in the prophets pertained directly to him. So what we learn is that these festivals have a direct pointing to who the Lord Jesus Christ is. So the spring festivals can be known as what he did in his first coming. So Passover is when the Lord Jesus died. Then you have festival of unleavened bread. That was his burial, which was our deliverance from sin. And then you have the festival of first fruits is when he was raised up to God in his resurrection. And then you count 50 days and then you have the festival of Pentecost. Then you skip the summer and then that's what moves us directly into the fall festivals. So the fall festivals are what the Lord Jesus is going to do upon his return when he comes to collect the church. So the first one is the festival of trumpets when he descends from heavens with a shout. Then next you have the day of atonement when he finally chases the goat, a.k.a. Satan, out into the wilderness and puts him in hell forever. Then the last one is tabernacles, which is the new beginning. And we also celebrate him becoming a man and dying on our behalf. So these, ladies and gentlemen, are the, are the festivals of the Lord. And that's going to play such an important role of what we're going to be talking about today, especially as we're dealing with Pentecost. So now Pentecost is an idea that teaches us that this is when God's people are born. So as a big idea today, I really want y'all to take this home. As a result of Pentecost and the finished work of what the Lord Jesus did, you belong to God. So for the sake of time today, because I had to explain so much about the festivals, I have only two main points to discuss with you. The first one is to be drawn in. Okay? Be drawn in. And the second one is to be diverse and distinct. So my first main point, be drawn in. So Pentecost, again, back to Pentecost, was one of three pilgrim festivals alongside Passover and Festival of Tabernacles. So a pilgrim festival meant that Jewish families left their homes and they traveled to Jerusalem. And the men of those families went to the temple to celebrate the festival together. So they would leave their homes and travel to Jerusalem. So and this is important for Acts chapter 2, verse 1. I want you to see this. It says, on the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. 
Why is that? Because of the pilgrim festivals. So the beautiful thing about this is that God intended for this to happen all along. And why did he do that? Because in his infinite wisdom, he intended for his people to be together, to have a shared experience, to have a collective ideal, morality, and lifestyle. In that togetherness, there is a blessing according to Psalm chapter 133. Now, in this Old Testament occurrence at the base of Mount Sinai in Exodus chapter 19, the newly redeemed people from out of Egypt were declared to be the people of God when they were given the law of God, also known as the Torah. Or, you know, some of us call it the law of Moses, which simply means teachings and instructions. So basically what this was is that this was Israel's constitution that made this group of people who left out of Egypt redeemed by God's mighty hand brought them to the base of the mountains and said, you are my people, Israel, and this is your birth as a nation. So it is true. God took his people, Abraham's physical offspring, and those who joined hand with those Hebrew people and delivered them from the bondage of Egypt. He protected them in the wilderness with miraculous wonders and drew them to himself. That's the important thing. We didn't go seeking God. God drew us to himself. Also that he could be glorified with the group of people that he calls his own. So oftentimes, I know some people are going to get mad at me when I say this, but oftentimes we reduce Jesus. I mean, if I could just be completely transparent, we reduce Jesus. And how do we do so? We reduce him to being our own, merely our own personal Lord and Savior. Now, I'm not saying that he's not. But what I am saying is that the Lord Jesus is bigger than you and I. He's bigger than our personal relationship with the Lord Jesus. So he is the God who looks to redeem all people through the Messiah, all people into what's called corporate salvation. God is not only focused on you. He is not only focused on me, but we are part of a bigger group of people called the church. And he seeks to deliver all from their sins. Notice it wasn't just Moses and Aaron that was his. It was all of Israel that belongs to him. And he wanted for them to be distinct amongst all people. So this Old Testament Pentecost, this was the birthday for the nation of Israel, much like it is the birthday for the New Testament church. Again, Pentecost in the Old Testament, the birthday of the nation of Israel, Pentecost in the New Testament, birthday for the church. Another thing that's so beautiful is that God loves to make dramatic entrances. So look at Exodus chapter 19, verse 16 through 18. Let's look at this real quick. So now Exodus chapter 19, verse 16 through 18, it says, On the morning of the third day, thunder roared and lightning flashed, and a dense cloud came down from the mountain. There was a long, loud blast from a ram's horn, and all the people trembled. Moses led them out of the camp. Moses led them out from the camp to meet with God, and they stood at the foot of the mountain. All of Mount Sinai was covered with smoke because Yahweh, the Lord, had descended on it in the form of fire. The smoke billowed into the sky like smoke from a brick kiln, and the whole mountain shook violently. So one thing that we see about God between these two different accounts, Exodus chapter 19 and Acts chapter 2, is that the Lord loves to impress. 
As a matter of fact, he's glorified in all things that he's done. But he's especially glorified when we stand in awe of him. Now, notice it was here when they were gathered in obedience that the people collectively experienced God. That's an important thing. They were gathered together in obedience where they they experienced God. So that's why it's hard. That's why it's so important for believers to be collectively gathered and to worship the Lord as he inhabits the praises of his people. As a matter of fact, Psalm chapter 22, verse 3, it states that it says the Lord inhabits the praises of Israel. And of course, we being alongside Israel, he inhabits your praise. When you praise God, when you worship God, and you tell him how great he is and how thankful you are for the things that he did for you. God is there and he is with you. The Lord will show up in a mighty way in our situations if we are simply obedient. I really need y'all to understand this, is that no matter what you are going through, if you simply obey God, have faith and stand in what he told you to stand in, then God will show up in your situation despite how it looks at that point in time. God loves you, he cares for you, and he will be there with you. He will show up and he will show out and he will blow your mind in ways that you can't even possibly comprehend. Again, God specializes in blessing people, especially when we are together and glorifying him. So transition to my next main point, which is to be diverse and be distinct. Because we are all born of God, having been filled with the spirit after the Lord Jesus laid down his own life, our lives are supposed to reflect this reality. Family, we are the church. Again, looking back into the Old Testament uh, for our foundation, this reality is the first Pentecost, as the Lord says in Exodus chapter 19, looking at verses three through six. It says, then Moses climbed the mountain to appear before God. Then Yahweh, the Lord, called to him from the mountain and said, give these instructions or this law or these teachings to the family of Jacob. Announce it to the descendants of Israel. You have seen what I did to the Egyptians, your enemies, the one that had you in bondage. You know that how I carried you on eagle's wings and I brought you to myself. Now, if one of the biggest words in the Bible is if. Now, if you will obey me and keep my covenant, you will be. You will be my own special treasure from among all the peoples on the earth for all of the all of the earth belongs to me and you will be a kingdom of priests, my holy nation. This is the message you must give to the people of Israel. So one thing I found so beautiful about this is that the Lord calls his people a special treasure. In other translations, he calls them a peculiar people, which means that we're a little bit odd because we stand out from the rest because our lives are different. Now, I want you to think about, let's let's do a little thought experiment. So think about the love of a parent towards their newborn child. Think about how after carrying them for nine months, the heartburn, dealing with swollen feet, feeling heavy, difficulty moving around, having to do at minimum three-point turns just to shift in the bed, 
being afraid to sneeze for the fear of what's called incontinence. I want you to Google that if you don't know what it is. And just think back. Think about all that travail and think about all the pain that you went through. And that's just the dad. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Don't get on me too bad, ladies. So think back to the moment where you held your little one for the first time after everything that you had gone through to bring this, this six to nine pound person to bring them into fruition. Think about the smile that you had. Think about the joy that you experienced. This right here is the feeling that the Lord had, but much more when he looked upon his people, his own prized possession. Something else that's beautiful is that in Zephaniah chapter 3, verse 17, it teaches us that the Lord rejoices over us in singing. God is proud to be our dad. The funny thing about this, we talk about rejoicing over over with the singing, is that the God, I just see him in heaven singing as he just looks over his church. You know, as I do that as a dad, my kids just got mad. You know, we had a couple bedtime songs that I would do. Like, I remember my oldest child. I was singing this bedtime song. It was so annoying for her. She hated it. One time I'm singing it and taking her to bed. She literally grabbed the side of the wall, you know, as we were walking through the doorway and tried to hold on for dear life so that I wouldn't put her to bed because she hated this song so much. But God, on the other hand, he rejoices over us with singing, y'all. For those who have never had a specific parent, God says that I will be a father to you. He says, I will draw you in with my loving arms. I will love on you. I will protect you. I will always be with you. I will never leave you, nor will I fail you. See, God is the perfect parent where we may disappoint our earthly parents. They will still love us. God says, listen, I've already paid the price for you through through my son, Jesus Christ. I love you and I will never leave you nor will I forsake you. You are my people and I am your God. I will be with you past the end of time and into eternity. I love you. Come to me. So what's so great in all this is that God chose his people, not just from Abraham's physical descendants, the biological Hebrew people, but from all people who were placed their faith in him and were delivered from Egypt through the Passover. Now, Exodus chapter 12, verse 38, here in the New Living Translation, you'll see that it says a rabble of non-Israelites went with them. So that rabble from some other translations, it says a mixed multitude. So that's important because it wasn't just Hebrew people that left out of um, that left out of Egypt together. It was Hebrews along with so many others because ancient Egypt was the basically the best way I can say it is that it was the New York City of the ancient world. So many cultures, so much, so much diversity there. And then God brought all of those people from every people, every nation, every tribe, every tongue, every heritage, etc. And he joined them together with the newly redeemed people of the physical descendants of Israel, and he pronounced them as God's chosen people right there at the base of the mountain. So what does this mean, church? It simply means that God is glorified in diversity. The same reality is seen as true in the New Testament Pentecost, where devout Jews from all over the world, all places under heaven, were gathered together worshiping the Lord collectively. This faith has always intended to be globally diverse. In this diversity, the beauty of God's plan is more fully expressed. 
Now I want to look at something. I want to highlight something. Exodus chapter 19, verse 5 through 6. It says, if you will obey me and keep my covenant, you will be my own special treasure from among all the people of the earth. For all the earth belongs to me and you will be my kingdom of priests, my holy nation. This is the message you must give to the people of Israel. So now with that being said, how do we apply this? It's true that this was a lot of information, but the fact that the Lord, he has gathered together, he's gathered us together to be his own and selected us from out of all people of the world by his grace alone. He expects us to live according to the pedigree of the king. So the Lord has created an interwoven tapestry of all people to display his glory through. He accepts us, all who come to faith in the Lord Jesus. And here's the thing about God. Use your cultural expression to glorify him. God isn't looking to change your personality. God is looking to change you from the inside out to make you redeemed unto him and to bring you closer to who he is. So now with that being said, so many people try to fit into the molds that other, people's cre- other people create for them. And they, they find themselves devoid of joy because God did not create them to do that. God created you to be distinct. He created you with unique gifts, with unique talents, all so that that you could be a piece of the puzzle, a part of the tapestry that he has spread out across all the world just to glorify him with. Use what you have to glorify God. Saints, this is what Pentecost is all about. God, from, out, from all around the world, he is drawing people that belong to him. And he is placing them in a situation where it's like, I'm drawing you from out of your own, your own context and I'm bringing you from that context to bring you into my context where you still, get to, you still get to glorify me in your own context. So that's the thing is that God wants you to glorify him to people that you know. Use what you have to glorify him. So in conclusion, to close things out, it's important to note that much of our time spent today was spent at the first great Pentecost moment. This is when believers were under the old covenant and a covenant is an agreement between God and man. They were under the old covenant and they had not yet been given the Holy Spirit as an everlasting seal. As a matter of fact, this is what I find to be just mind blowing. The New Testament, despite the glorious things that they had from God in the Old Testament, the New Testament teaches that through the blood of Jesus, through his redemption, that we have so many greater and more precious promises than they had when they saw this smoke descending on top of Mount Sinai. The fact that God was with them and he never left them, he never failed them and protected them through the wilderness. Church, we have even better through the Lord Jesus. And now we also have been given the Holy Spirit as our seal, as we are truly born of God through this spirit. As a result of such, the spirit must govern our lives. But I don't want to get too far ahead of myself because that's a topic for another day. So how does this all apply to me? Listen, I want to invite you to the greatest decision that you will ever make in your life. And that is by receiving the Lord Jesus as your Savior through the message of the gospel. Church, the Bible says that God created our first ancestors perfect. 
Everything was beautiful. It was flawless. Absolutely perfect. But we chose to listen to the enemy rather than listen to God. And as a result of such, you and I, we were born into sin. And because of our sin, because we were born into this situation, we do sins. And we just find ourselves completely and totally condemned by God from birth. Yes, from birth. So God, in his righteous judgment, he cannot let his standard down. But what he has to do is judge accordingly to the things that we've done. But God also loves us. <laughs> That's the good news is that the bad news is that we were condemned before we ever had a moment to have anything to do about it like you and I. But the good news is that God has loved you before you were ever born. And he already created a plan so that you would be redeemed to him. And that is through his son, Jesus Christ. So Jesus came down. And he offered his own life on that cross so that you would not have to die in your own place. He took the full cup of God's wrath, all of it. He drunk it down to the dregs simply because he loved you. So God found Jesus's sacrifice to be acceptable to him. And when we place our faith in God through Jesus Christ, our debt is permanently canceled. Hallelujah. And thank you, Lord God, for that. Because if it were not for that, if we had to stand before God bearing our own sins, there is nothing but depart from me, you workers of iniquity. But when we stand before God through the blood of Jesus, through what he has done for us, the Bible says we can approach the throne of grace boldly. We have, we have an advocate with the Father who will never leave us nor fail us. This is what Jesus did for us. And the only thing that you have to do to make this blood apply to you is have faith faith. You have to trust in God through what Jesus Christ has done on your behalf. So if you have not yet made this a reality in your life, I ask that you consider it. Again, this is the biggest decision that you will ever make. You have nothing to lose in this faith. As a matter of fact, the Bible teaches us that whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved and we will never be put to shame. God loves you beyond your comprehension. And then all he wants in your case right now, if you've not yet accepted him, he wants you to come in so that you can be born again, which means to be born into this church and given a spiritual nature. Now, you instead of being directed by human laws and, um, and, and, and you know, other things of those nature, you are now governed by the spirit of God that enables you to live a holy lifestyle. Again, all he requires for you is faith in this instance. And then church, by receiving him, this is now your birthday. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, God, we thank you for the things that we've seen and heard today. Lord, we thank you for your Pentecost moment because the Bible teaches us that this is yours. This day, it belongs to you. And we want to glorify you through this day. God, we thank you for the Holy Spirit that you have given us, and we pray that you help us to live lives that will glorify you. So as we pray the ironic benediction, Lord, we just say, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you, and may he give you his everlasting peace and prosperity. It's in the name of Jesus we pray these things. Amen.